This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 418 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and you, our auditors. Coming up on today's show, we have Gail Stewart, author of 100 Horses in History. Also, of course, our listener of the week is Shane Griffiths. And we do a product review with our auditor, Hillary, talking about the Noble Outfitters Balance Riding Tight, all on today's show. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. We bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop cause it's time again for stable school. Stable school. Stable school. Stable school. I am Glenn the Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're so excited. We went over 4,900 episodes here on the Horse Radio Network. Uh, on Horses in the Morning, we just hit 1,500 on Monday. Horses so. Yeah, we hit 1,500 episodes. Hard to believe that show's been going for almost six years. But uh, No, it's like my baby sister, Horses in the Morning. That's right, that's right. (laughs) So now you've been riding a bit. Yes, sir, I have. I've been seeing Um, pictures and everything. What's going on? Yes, Mr. Brody. Well, my life has started to settle down into a certain hum and Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me write that down. That's the first time in nine years. I'm going to check. Yes. uh, It's August 23rd. (laughs) It's true. It is the first time in nine years. Um, no, but it is it is the truth of of it's that's what we're, I'm looking at a little bit of settling into a comfortable groove, and so I'm able to have a routine where I can get on my horse regularly, and we have a couple of goals, and we're having Goal? a good time. Wait a minute, write that down. August twenty third, <laughs> Alina has goals with her horse. That's a first in nine years. All right, go ahead. Um, yeah. So we, I have a book of Helena, by the way. I just you, write all these things down. It's about thirty pages long now. The book of Helena. Oh, thanks a lot. Go ahead. So, Mr. B, I've been on um, been on um, about every other day. Sometimes we ride two days in a row. Sometimes he has three days off. But uh, we he's in a regular work program. It's light work. I never push my horses um, to the point where they're like sweaty and huffing and puffing. He's been sitting around the field all year long, so he's <laughs> he just stands there and gets sweaty. And Are huffing. we still in the weight loss mode? We're still in weight loss mode, but he's such a damn easy keeper. I it's it's hard. So I do have to make him huff and puff a little bit more than usual. So sometimes we just go out into the field and I really don't ask anything of him other than pick up the correct lead at the canner and just go. And you know, he's Brody's funny because he's mostly in the ring, he's a push ride, but when you're out um on a hunter pace or on a trail ride, he wants to go. So or if he decides that there's something in the woods that wants to eat him, then he becomes a pull ride. But 
it's you know i i had to upgrade my spurs because he's fat and lazy so to keep him cantering around the field is actually it takes a lot of work for both of us so that's one of the funnier things that we've we've been focusing on now you've been taking lessons too haven't you Yes. So um, Buck's daughter, Nora, is the, she's the reason we met. She's the reason I met Buck. And she was my trainer far long before I met Buck. And um, she now has her own place, but she's able to come out to my barn and work with me and Brody for an hour or so uh, every couple of weeks. I don't, I don't take a lesson every week, but every two weeks, every three weeks. And so she's just helping me get back into the groove and you know, giving me some tips on how I can help Brody. Cause at this point it's about taking my horse is evergreen. You know, he's, he's wonderful to ride. I love him to death, but he's green in the ring because he's primarily been just a trail horse and hunter pacing and that stuff. So teaching him that it's okay to bend around a turn. <laughs> it's difficult, <laughs> difficult at best. He can be a pig. He can, <laughs> he can be a pig. And I don't mean because he doesn't know what to do. He can be a pig because he pulls, you know, the old lesson horse, trail horse yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, and you know what? It, your, your horse obviously is not the only one. that Scooter does that to me all the time. Yeah. He, when Jennifer drives him, he's fine. When he, when he drives with me, he'll because he, he knows he can get away with this crap, he pulls it. Yeah, so, and he's not yeah. bad. They're no. not bad horses. No, they're just and... testing the limits to see how little they can do. Exactly. Yeah. And that's fine. You know what? Everything in life takes the path of least resistance. I do not begrudge my horse for not wanting to work. That's that's fine. But, you know, we have to compromise. So the spurs help us compromise. You know, I've tried to take the path of least resistance in life, and it's never worked out well. I've got to tell you. It doesn't. <laughs> it's never good in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, but needless to say for our listeners. So you feel like you're I'm, improving and getting better? Absolutely. Yeah. He's, this is one of the things I really appreciate about my horse is that he gets fit very quickly and he gets into training mode very quickly. He really does like to do well for you. And, um, I was listening to an episode of horse tip daily a few weeks ago and they were talking about really using your voice to reinforce all the other leg aids and all the other riding aids that you use. And I realized recently that Brody responds really well to vocal praise after the fact. When he does something, you know, just a really nice, good boy, good boy. He's like so game for that. He's constantly listening now for the good boy. And if you go into the auditor's Facebook page and you look at the video that I posted, it's, it's cute. It's funny. I mean, it's, it's a little bit silly, but watch his ears. Watch how much his ears move because he's that attentive. He's looking for, he's listening to me. And um, I found that to really be the most fascinating thing about this little video clip. It's just how much his ears moves. Well, moves. post that on Sableskip, too, so that uh, okay. non-auditors can take a look at that as well. Okay. Now, you didn't answer my question, though. What? Because my what? question was, are you getting better? Yes. Do you feel like you're getting better? I'm getting stronger. Okay. I'm getting stronger. And I'm always a better rider when I'm fit. When I'm fit for riding. So when I have my riding muscles in place, the memory's all there. My body knows what to do. Um, my brain gets in the way <laughs> and and weakness gets in the way. So the more I ride, the the more clearer my aids and the less I interfere with my horse's way of going. There you go. 
Well, uh, we have a big show for you today. And before we get to that, I wanted to thank a listener of ours who came out over the weekend. Angie Bailey was here with her friend, Lily. They were down here horse shopping in Ocala, and they took us out to dinner at Mojo's on Saturday night. That was so nice of them to do. And then came over to meet Scooter and Nigel on Sunday morning. And I got a note from her friend, Lily, uh, when they got home because they were horse shopping with a bunch of eventing horses. Yeah. And I got a note from Lily that said the cutest horse we saw by far all weekend was a scooter. And so, <laughs> so I guess horse shopping didn't go too well. But wow. <laughs> scooter. So Scooter was the cutest thing she saw all weekend. And Scooter knows it. Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> kind of knows it. But it was so nice to have... It's always nice when people come to Ocala and we get to see them and, and visit with them. So thank you so much, Angie, for, for coming down. We appreciate it. And for dinner at uh, at Mojo's, I'll go. You guys can anybody can wants to come to Ocala can take us out to dinner at Mojo's anytime. It's good what do you stuff. like about Mojo's? Mojo's. That's our favorite restaurant here in town. Why? They only Why have like two branches or two store restaurants, so it's a small you know group. Yeah. But it's really good Cajun uh, Southern food, uh-huh. and uh, Angie likes guacamole. She told us that in her interview, actually, that she did with us. And she does like guacamole a lot because she ordered this uh, dish that had guacamole with it. And she ordered like 12 times extra. And she slathered <laughs> that awesome. old dish in guacamole. That's awesome. I mean, I, there was about a pound of guacamole there. And she said, oh, this is really good guacamole. I was like, holy crap, I've never seen anybody eat that much guacamole. But uh, it's supposed to be good for you with guacamole, right? Very so, good for you. Yeah. yeah well, Angie yep, should be avocados. really healthy because her blood is turned to guacamole. Excellent. Good yeah. job. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take and hear uh, from our first guest. His her name is Gail Stewart. She is the author of One Hundred Horses in History: True Stories of the Horses Who Shaped Our World. I own this book. I absolutely love this book. You know, I give a lot of our books away that come in because I don't want to own it forever. This one's never going out to a listener <laughs> because I, you know, we love history. Helena and I, Jennifer, yeah. we all love history, and I I love this book. And you could read this book over and over again, and I use it as a reference when we do our Horses and History segments. It's a really good book. Hi, Gail. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for inviting me on Stable Scoop. I have your book, (laughs) 100 Horses in History, The Stories of Horses Who Shaped Our World. It right in front of me. I'm holding it open right now to the horse named Cincinnati. Uh, And this, you know, this book is so cool. What made you decide to write this? And by the way, uh, Helena and I are both history nuts, so this is right up our alley. We are indeed. Oh. Well, it's it's a funny thing. Um, I have been horse crazy. This is an affliction that I was born with. And, <laughs> and um, so my family, it was a family um, project. We showed horses. We had saddlebreds and quarter horses, hunter jumpers. My brother rodeoed. My little sister had ponies and so anyway, then I grew up and went to work after college. I went to work for newspapers and magazines, and I started, I kind of became known as the horse person. If anything came into town, like, well, Gail, go out and do a story on Miss Rodeo America or something, or a, a horse story. So so what I started doing was finding horses that I thought personally were interesting, and then I tied it, tied that horse to an event in history. Now, recently, uh, one of the horses in my book is Comanche, and recently at the uh, Battle the Battle of Little Bighorn anniversary was in June. So I wrote a story about about 
Comanche's role in the battle and sent it to the local newspaper. And that story also ran in the Kansas City Star because Comanche is taxidermied, and you can see him at the University of Kansas. Oh, my gosh. I I want to go now. I want to go to the University of Kansas just to see that. He got a new stall recently. When I saw him, he had... He, he was not in as nice a place as he is now, but they have a, a special little plastic box for him, and, and he's there he is. He was getting his, dusty? Um, <laughs> yes, yes, he was. Yes, he and has that in so, common with my horse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they cleaned him up. Well, that was 1876, so he's, he's still around. So anyway, so then, then I wrote a story about Blackjack, which was the, the ceremonial horse in uh, President Kennedy's funeral, which mm. I found it fascinating, um, and I was able to interview the man who led him in the in the two days of the state funeral, and um, and that ran in the Dallas Morning News. So anyway, that's kind of how that got started, and then my brother came to visit, and my sister, and he said, we, we started going around the ta- breakfast table, coming up with old horses that we thought were interesting, and then, then my brother said, well, why don't you open a file in your computer and before you know it you'll have a book and so that's kind of how that started and then I had 30 or 40 horses and I was trying to figure out how to combine them in a sensible way and a title and I was (laughs) this is so funny I was at the grocery store in line and I started seeing these books published by like Time and National Geographic 100 Greatest Scientific discoveries uh, in the past hundred years and hundred greatest movies. And I thought, well, I wonder about if anybody's done horses. Mm. And so I ran home and Googled it and nobody had done 100 horses in history. (laughs) So that's how that happened. And so then I hurried up and finished it and got 30 or 40 more horses. And that's how it happened. Now, was it difficult to find all 100? I mean, sometimes you start a project and you're on a roll with three, four, five, ten horses. And then did you ever find yourself going, oh, oh crap, how am I going to find another 90 horses? <laughs> no. Matter of fact, I have a huge box at home in my office that of horses that I had to throw out. And that was amazing. It was like, oh, well, I, uh, and then when we started putting it together, it's like, well, I need to put this horse. Well, I need to take one out, and that was really hard. So no, it was not hard at all. And and people helped me, and they got to where people would say, well, Gail, do you have this horse? Do you have that horse? And I was like, yeah, I do, but I don't think we'll put him in. He's not that interesting. Mm. And um, so anyway, so that's how that's how it happened. And um, the people I have I've been able to meet and visit with about their horses has been just a, an added benefit a luxury getting to talk to these wonderful horsemen from the past yeah that Um, that is pretty cool and you go back i mean there's there's a couple different chapters in this book the trailblazers mm -hmm. i mean goes back to the the darley arabian i mean we're talking back to uh you know some of these are pretty old horses a couple thousand years so and then you know what yeah go ahead yeah no go ahead well what's interesting one of the horses is Copenhagen, who, who was uh, he, he was ridden by the Duke of Wellington in the Battle of Waterloo, and so I I wrote the book and then I sent it to him, and I got a note back from his sec, from his secretary, and she's looking out the window at Copenhagen's grave, and he's remembered oh, wow. there on the, uh, the seven thousand acre estate in England. So. Wow. 
I mean, wow. Hambletonian, uh, who the Hambletonian race is named after, actually. Um, and, you know, there's just so many uh, eclipse, and uh, th- this goes, again, Dolphin Arabian. Uh, it just goes all the way back. And then you go into movies, music, and timeless tales. There are so many famous movie horses and, you know, tied to big movie stars. How did you pick those? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Now, um my husband loved loved Gene Autry, so I said, "Well, you got to put Champion in." And then Flick, um, yeah, Flicka, Black, of course, the Black Stallion. I got to meet that horse who was in the movie. He was uh, from San Antonio Arabians. He was a wonderful stallion named Cassolet. That's that's another story. But um, you know, it's so funny. If I could suggest to to your listeners, if you loved Mr. Ed. There is a, a YouTube video um, called Leo DeRocher Meets Mr. Ed, and it, Mr. Ed's playing baseball, and it is the <laughs> funniest thing, and TV Guide rated it number 73 out of their 100 best um, TV episodes. It, it's it's so funny. It really is. But, you know, I don't know. Just the horses I've read about, I, I have read all those books when I was a kid, and I, you know, it's just, I guess I was editor-in-chief, and I got to pick my horses. <laughs> the god of horses. <laughs> so, you know, I'm deciding. You get to story. do whatever you <laughs> want. Right. And then I it, know it, and it was so fun. to and, and all the people who helped me with photographs and interviews, it was incredible, really. There's a photograph or a drawing of every, of all 100 horses, right? Yes, and I wanted to do it that way because I, I originally started this as a middle grade to young adult book because so many children, I think, are missing out on history lessons, just basic history. And so I, each horse has a, a photograph or a drawing, a graphic of some sort, and then a um, and then the, the stories are no longer than two pages, so it can be picked up and read quickly. Right. Um, and that's kind of how, why that happened. You couldn't find photos of the thousand year old horses in here? <laughs> oh, no. Well, now, Eohippus is the very first horse. In I there. see that. <laughs> and he, he's like 65 million. Yeah. Old. I don't know where that picture went. <laughs> Somebody lost million. it. <laughs> no, he's I probably a little dusty, I took too. That picture. <laughs> he was at the Kentucky Horse Park. And I took a picture of him all things. There he is. So oh, once you had all of these horses um, collected and you, you, you even had some overflow and you're putting the book together and you start to see some logical order, the photos are coming together, at what point do you say, okay, I now need to bring this to a publisher and, and then you have to make a pitch? What did your pitch look like? What did it sound like? Well, I put together a book um, and a friend of mine at the uh, – I'm from Austin, Texas, and – um, the Austin Writers League had a woman who who um, was kind of a mentor, and so I met with her over lunch, and she said, "What you should do because this is so graphic he- heavy." Um, she said, "Put together a sampling of ten horses or eight horses, and and a sampling of your writing, and and that's how I did it. And I had a, an artist friend I worked with at an advertising agency, and he put up like a little, a little mock-up of what the book would look like, mm. might look like. And that was just a huge help because you could see what the horses look like, you know. And, and, and there's so many different ones and different from different disciplines. And then that's, that's how it helped, uh, helped me 
get it published. So I got to tell you, one of the funny stories um, in the book was is from the King Ranch. I'm sure you know the King Ranch down in South Texas. Well, Wimpy P1 is is in the Trailblazers chapter. And the way he got his name, I mean, he, he won, he won a, a stallion class at the 1941 Fort Worth Fatstock Show. And, and the AQHA, American Quarter Horse Association, was just beginning to put together its organization. And so they needed a, a, a horse, the very first stallion. And so Wimpy won the stallion class. And the P1 means permanent number one. But the name, the way he got Wimpy, was the the guys who took care of him down at the King Ranch? He said he had a ravenous appetite, just like the character in the Popeye cartoons, Jay Wellington Wimpy, who ate <laughs> hamburgers. Mm. And I just, I mean, this is one of the most famous quarter horses in history, and here he has this unlikely name of Wimpy. But that's how that <laughs> that's how he got that name. Well, now you're going to tell us about one today. And, you know, I did Old Bob. I did a, a history segment on Old Bob, and I used your book as a, a, a partial reference for that. But oh, good. In your War Horses segment, you, uh, which you have quite a few, because there were quite a few famous War Horses, you have one in there that I think everybody will recognize the name of. But tell us about General Lee's Horse Traveler from, from the Civil War. Okay. Um, well, General Lee bought Traveler early in the Civil War. And he, Traveler carried generally through the major battles, through Gettysburg, Antietam, the horrible battles at the wilderness. And it was amazing that the horse was never, never injured. Um, he was scared a lot of times. But then on Palm Sunday, April 9, 1865, when the war was finally over, the South had lost the battle at Appomattox, Virginia, and he took, he rode, he rode a traveler to sign the surrender papers to General Grant. And it was so interesting because General Lee, he had a little more time than General Grant. General Grant was riding really fast trying to get there, but General Lee put on his best uniform and he cleaned up. He had his, his assistants clean up traveler and he even took a private, a private named Joshua Johns with him to the surrender ceremony so that traveler wouldn't have to be tied up. And he grazed him, took his bridle off, grazed him. And then on April 12th, after after the Civil War basically was over, uh, General Lee was riding Traveler back home to Richmond. And they, they were riding in this terribly cold, nasty Virginia rain. And a minister happened to see them go through um, town. And he looked out the window and he said, he commented, he said, Traveler was beset bespattered with mud and his head hung down as if worn by long traveling. Mm. And that was a long, long way. And then, but happy days followed. Uh, they generally was invited to be president of um, Washington College in Lexington, Virginia. So here they ride west again to 110 miles to Washington College. And it was so sweet. It was just the sweetest love story between a horse and a human. Um, generally took the carriage, how, the, the carriage um, building and had it, it was attached to his house. And he said he was always happy that he and Traveler were sharing the same roof again. And um, later, while he generally had to be away from the college, he wrote home and 
it was so sweet. He said, "How's traveler? Tell him I miss him desperately and have repented of our separation, but once, and that's the whole time since we parted." Oh. He was eloquent talking about his horse. That is the most. That's the best love story ever. It, it really? really is, and and to, and I got to go to Washington and Lee, uh, which is now Washington and Lee University. Um, they leave the door to the. It, it's now the president's garage for his cars, and they leave the door open during the day so traveler spirit can come in and out at will. Oh my oh, god! <laughs> oh my god! I traveler didn't... outlived generally by about a year. Really? Died, I didn't know he that. Died at fourteen. Mm-hmm. I didn't also know that he got traveler at the beginning of the war. I thought he came in the middle, but he got him at the beginning, and it is amazing that that horse never got hurt. Well, there was one story about how they were in a battle, and he reared, happened to rear up at just the right time, and a, a, a bullet went under his belly, and that was the closest he came to getting hurt. Uh, yes, it, it really was amazing how uh, generally just loved that horse, and and today he has, he is buried just outside the side door of of Lee Chapel at Washington and Lee and people still put carrots and apples on his <laughs> graveside. Oh my and god, I'm like not, fine. <laughs> I, I am. He's not twenty five feet from Lee's body inside the chapel. You know, we love our horses, but we have to think of what it was back, like back then. They they didn't only love their horses, they relied on their horses. They they lived or died by whether their horses took care of them. I mean, it was a two it was truly a two-way street back then because you did everything with your especially if you were a soldier. You did everything with your horse and you know, imagine the bond you would develop being in battle together. I mean, ugh. Oh, I know it. It's 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 incredible, and the friendship they had after they got to Washington College, they would ride every day out into the mountains, and and um and then when General Lee died, uh, Traveler was decked out in mourning and and carried the boots in reversed in the stirrups, which symbolizes a fallen warrior who will ride no more. And um, yeah, it, it it is amazing. I think he bought the horse. He kind of finagled for the horse, like in 1861, early in the war. But it, you're right; it was after the war started. And then the whole story of Blackjack, and I mean, just old Bob Lincoln's horse. Remember that one? Uh, yeah. I did Helena. Is just yeah. incredible stories of horses in this book. It's a hundred horses in history. You must get it. You know what? Christmas is coming. This would make a great Christmas <laughs> gift for people. It's available on Amazon. But where else is it available to? Okay, well, it's available at the King Ranch. They have it there. Um, they, we have it at the National Sporting Museum and Library in Middleburg, yeah. Virginia. We just yeah. had them on. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Isn't that a wonderful place? Yes. They were just so great. It's at the Smithsonian uh, Institute's uh, hum- Hubbard Museum of the American West in Rio Dosa. It's at the Buffalo Bill Dam Visitor Center in Cody, Wyoming. And I'm working with... Um, uh, Barnes and Noble to get it in Barnes and Noble. They they said they want some, so we're that's a work in progress. But but that's next. And then it's on my website, Gail at one hundred horsesinhistory dot com. So it's Gail at one hundred and <laughs> Gail at one zero zero horsesinhistory dot com. Okay, great. Well, we appreciate you being on. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll have you back when you put out the second hundred horses in history. <laughs> okay. I'll count on that. And thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I enjoyed it a lot. I appreciate it. It was nice to have you.
Well, I just made history myself. You did? What'd you do? I did. Well, my 13-year-old daughter is about to enter the land of IEA. And if you're listening and you don't know what IEA is, I'll tell you. It's the Interscholastic Equestrian Association. And it's it's a club team that works at the middle school and high school level. And um, her barn, Grace's barn, is a participating team at Nora Harris Equestrian. And guess what my 13-year-old needed for IEA? Oh, I bet you. Is it like when they first go to school and they send you a list of all the stuff, crap you have to buy that costs $400? Yeah, exactly. Really? (laughs) It's just guessing. (laughs) That's what happened. I had to outfit the kid (laughs) from head to toe. Or they have certain requirements of certain breeches, certain shirt. Well, here's what's interesting. They're... They make recommendations, and the recommendations are always way more than I can afford. Yeah. And I, you know, at the moment, I'm not working for a tech company. Right. <laughs> so I have, now I have to pay full retail price. And here's what's interesting I'm like, I'm shopping around online. I'm looking for, I need a helmet, I need breeches, I need tall, you know, everything from hair nets and gloves. And I'm like, you know, after a half an hour sort of comparing prices and looking for the most ideal things, I'm like, what am I doing? This is like ridiculous. I really just want to do business with a company that's going to get me what I need and have the best prices, period. So I went to Horse Lovers. You you guys would think that I pay attention to horselovers.com outside of the show, but I, I didn't because I really don't have to buy that much stuff. There's stuff I want to buy. But when I was faced with having to actually outfit my kid and spend some cash, I I was like, forget it. I don't want to risk. I don't want to duct tape an order together. I want to just go to one company. If I have a question about something, I can live chat or email their customer service. It was such a nice experience. I was like, I was like, breeches, boom. Um, you know, uh, tall boot socks, boom. Helmet, boom. Just added it to my car. It was really good. I had a couple of questions. I used their live chat feature, got some answers and was able to. So their live chat wasn't like the one I used for our server company where I, it says, please wait, you're 55th in line and we'll be with you in an hour. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> Their customer service was great. Um, so we got her a bunch of stuff. But one of the, I have to say, one of my favorite things about horse lovers is, you know, so tailored sportsmen's in the hunt seat world are like the breach, yeah. right? Are they still I, the breach? Yeah. They're, oh. they're always, they, because you know what? Tailored sportsmen, they, they keep up their game. They, they really keep their eye on the ball. So um, now I have a pair, I have two pair of Ariat Pro Circuit breaches. Ariat doesn't make those anymore. I love them. They were a lot like the tailored sportsmen's. The funny thing is, is Ariat was like, oh, you guys like our pro circuits? Well, we're now going to charge $200 for them. So I thought, crap. Now, what am I going to do if I ever need a tailored sportsman-like breach without paying those prices? Guess who had some? What'd you end up with? Ovations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have some good breaches for kids. Yep. Ovation has a, a pair, and they're totally accessible, financially accessible, meaning they're affordable. Um, so yeah, thanks horse lovers. You guys rock like for real. Well, there you go. I don't need to do a commercial. That was the commercial (laughs) right there. (laughs) Somebody who actually used them. Uh, well, we appreciate them and you can get a coupon code, use coupon code HRN at checkout and you'll get $5 off your order. Uh, next time you head over to horselovers.com and you'll maybe you'll probably have a good experience like Helena did. That's what we've been finding with all of our listeners have been using them. So give them a shot next time you go to buy outfit your kid with uh, $500 worth of stuff for 
I-E, uh, what was it again? I-E-A. I-E-A. Up next, our listener interview. Today, we're going to talk with Shane Griffiths. She's currently living in Utah. And let's see, she's a novelist. So I'm really excited about that because I think writers are pretty cool because I'm kind of cool. <laughs> not really. I want to be cool, but I'm not. She's so cool. I, I think Shane's going to be way more cool than me. So let's welcome Shane to the show. It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Welcome, Shane, to the Stable Scoop Radio Show. I'm particularly excited to talk to you because you are a novelist, and I've always wanted to be a novelist when I grew up. Well, I really, I would just like to write my way out of all kinds of trouble. So I'm really interested to talk to someone who can both write, tell stories, and who loves horses. So welcome. Oh, thank you. Are you really a novelist, or do you just say that? I really am a novelist. Although I think <laughs> there's I a hell of a first question. Are you lying or not? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question to ask a fiction writer. We lie for a living. <laughs> well, you know, there's there are people who say I'm a writer, and then there are people who say I'm a novelist, and then there are people who are really humble and say I tell stories. So, mm. and and you know, being a novelist in today's digital world is not what it used to be. So my question to you is, have you, have you always been, or you just, okay, let's back it up for a second. You, you recently published your first novel called Borrowed Horses. Tell us about that. Okay. So, um, the novel actually grew out of, um, the fact that I, I, I'd ridden horses my whole life and I didn't actually own my first horse, um, until after graduating college and I found this. Um, old thoroughbred named Killian, who was absolutely the love of my life. And I had him for years and years, and we did all sorts of things together. Um, but when I was in grad school and writing my dissertation, he was no longer able to do the work that we'd, that we'd always done. He was, he was um, getting really arthritic, and um, jumping headlong gone, and now riding it all was going. And uh and I was just longing to have horses in my life. And I thought, how can I do this? Um, and I'd always sort of resisted writing about horses because I thought, oh, people just, you know, you know how it is how sometimes you say I'm into horses and people are like, oh, you're one of those girls who never got over that preteen thing. And, and, uh, and, and so I'd always thought, oh, no, writing something else and writing is this thing that I do because I love it. And um, and then I read um, a book called Bel Canto by Ann Patchett, and it's all about opera. And I never thought I would be into opera, um, and she made me love it and feel passionate about it, um, at least while I was reading the book. And I thought, if she can do that for opera, then I need to try and do that for horses and see if I can make people feel that love and that passion that I feel for horses, even if it's not their thing, even if they don't think they're into it. And uh, and so I started I started the book from there and uh, and from this like desire to ride and not being able to ride and just poured all of that into into the book. Wow! So you're like a missionary of sorts. 
<laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, you do want to turn non-horse people into horse people, don't you? That's right. Or at least to get them to understand why we go so nuts and spend so much money and uh, and spend whole days at the barn um, getting as dirty as possible. and And that's just the best thing. Well, you know, part of not having a horse at the moment is, or part of the good the good part about that is you do get to engage with horses in a different way. Um, mm. Sometimes mm. when we take a step back from what we do with them every day, we begin to appreciate some other facets of them that we hadn't, we hadn't otherwise appreciated. It's not that we wouldn't, but, you know, we're just so focused on riding and grooming and caring for um, mm-hmm. that we forget that they're there are conversations like the ones we have here on Stable Scoop and that there are novels and, and all these other parts of, of the horse world that are also, that are just as lovable. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you get the horse bug? Were you born with it or did someone pass it on to you? You know, I really do think I was born with it. Um, my cousin is a, uh, dressage rider. He, um, he has a, 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 a training program out in Pennsylvania. He, he uh, breeds and competes dressage horses, and he, actually, he has a Grand Prix horse right now who was just a little baby uh, foal when I was um, out visiting one time, and, and he was trying to decide what to name him, and I was talking about Killian, and he said to me, would you mind if I named my horse Killian, because I really like that name, and so, you know, I, I think about uh about that all the time. So anyways, so that doesn't answer your question. My cousin's a rider. My, uh, my aunt was the first person to ever put me on a horse. Uh, my, my great-grandfather was the last man to drive a horse-driven fire truck in uh, Philadelphia. I, I had a grandfather who was a fruit huckster and drove horses for that, or I should say great-grandfather. Um, so horses are very much in the blood and I just, when I was little and people would say, what do you want to do when you grow up? I would say, I want to be a jockey. And then they'd laugh because they're like, you're already too <laughs> tall to be a jockey. Um, but, uh, but I just, I wanted horses as part of my life right from the start. Mm. So yeah. what if you, you don't have a horse right now. Um, mm. and so are you not able to ride? Are you not in a place where you're able to ride right now? I'm really lucky that I've always had friends who, you know, know that I'm I just love horses and, and who um, let me ride their horses. So right now um, I have a, a colleague um, at the university where I work. Uh, her name is Stacy Palin, and she's got a, a little farm out here um, and and does a lot of uh, dressage horses. And um, she's got a horse named Roger, who's an Irish, Irish sport horse, and I get to get out and ride him from time to time. So that's been a bunch of fun. Hey, in your your past, I see here you worked for the USET, the United States Equestrian Team. What'd you do for them? I was, I worked in development. Um, So I wrote letters basically asking people to donate money so that we could help uh, raise funds to send the team to the Sydney Olympics. Oh, cool. Did you get to go too? I didn't. I got to watch everybody else in the <laughs> building. <laughs> I go, but, uh, but I, but you I needed stayed. to write one more letter. You needed one <laughs> more donation, and you could have went. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that, that was probably kind of cool, though. It was. It was. And, I, and, you know, in that job, I got to meet a lot of um, professionals in the horse industry that I had just always admired. Um, 
and, and to talk to them to see like the young riders program. Um, I got to see a training, uh, lesson with them. Fantastic. Uh, just great experience. Well, now I have to ask the mandatory question. Are you married? I am. And is he yeah. a horse guy? He is not a horse guy. Does that he, is, uh, does he have a, a hobby? Does he a he, golfer he, or? He does golf. Yeah. He does golf. Um, he also cooks and he brews beer. So, well, that's not so bad. Some other redeeming features. <laughs> yeah, to make that. Up to the horse that makes up for it. <laughs> they're not going to be in the horses. They cook and brew beer. That's good. I mean, that'll yeah. do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So if I fall off and owe the whole barn beer, I've got a good source. <laughs> <laughs> Is your? I picture your whole basement like with barrels. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, substitute bottles for barrels, and you've got it. You've got- <laughs> <laughs> a bootlegger. <laughs> and, you know, there aren't too many of those in Utah either. You're probably no, one of very no, few. No, we're in the minority. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> have you have you always lived in in the West in Utah, or is that I've sort of territory? I've moved around a lot, to be honest. I've moved all over the country. Um, so, uh, born in Ohio, grew up in Riverside, California. Um, graduated high school in Moscow, Idaho, and that's where I went to college. And that's where I set. Um, my novel, and then uh, worked when I was with the USET that was in New Jersey, went to grad school in Georgia, now I'm in Utah, so yeah, a little bit of everywhere. That's, Holy cow. That's why she has yeah. no accent whatsoever. What do you, what do you... I've, got an, I've got a total mismatch of an accent. <laughs> it's a little bit of everything, I think. Are you comfortable in Utah, or is there someplace else in the U.S. that you really feel is more like home to you? Oh, that's a good question. You know, Utah, I really do love Utah, um, but uh, but the the whole Pacific Northwest. Um, we've got family in in uh, my husband's family's in Oregon. Uh, my sister lives in Seattle. Uh, she's a filmmaker, um, and uh, and you know, just having gone to high school in Northern Idaho, um, all of that sort of upper Northwest corner of the country really feels like home. Well, your sister's a filmmaker. Maybe she can she make is. your book into a film. <laughs> she, she, she. Uh, I think. I think she gets that suggestion from family members uh, quite often. <laughs> <laughs> but she's she's doing really well with her own work. Uh, she she had uh, a film in the Sundance Festival, and uh, she had a, a film at South by Southwest in Toronto. So she's doing she's doing great. Does she do documentaries? Uh, What's she do? Um, well, she, she had a feature film called Lucky Them that uh, I think has been making the rounds on Showtime and, and things like that lately. That had uh, Tony Collette and Thomas Hayden Church in it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and Oliver Platt. I, uh, it's a fantastic film. A uh, previous one to that was a film called Eden that um, that was based on uh, some real-life stories about a sex trafficking ring. Uh, that was discovered in, in California. So uh, Lucky Them's more like a, a fun, romantic comedy, rock and roll story. Um, Eden's a lot darker. But yeah, she's she's got quite a few films that she's been working on. And I think right now um, her latest film uh, is about the Night Stalker, and I believe it's on Lifetime. Uh, so Sheesh. tune in. <laughs> she, is a, she does have a variety there, doesn't she? she You're really a creative does. bunch. Yeah. Does, does creativity <laughs> run in your family? In addition to horse, you know, maybe it's a horse thing. (laughs) It may be. Well, she's not a horse person either. Um, Although she did ride uh, back in the day. But uh, um, our father is a chemistry professor, and our mother was a social worker. 
And so I don't know how you get a writer and a yeah, I don't know. Out of that, <laughs> right. it, okay. Sometimes some sort the, of alchemy happened. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it goes back a couple generations. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I gotta, I gotta tell you, this is a good time to promote this. You're in Utah. If you want to catch a little commuter plane, we're going to be doing a listener meetup at the Col- at the Colorado yeah. Horse Park. It's actually their big three day event out there, and it's cross country day, Saturday, right. September the seventeenth, and it's also their big fair. They have a fair going on at the same time. I was talking to them yesterday, and uh, we're going to do a meetup there, and they have all kinds of cool things happening that day, including we can walk around and see cross-country. So if you're in the area, if you're in Colorado, or you want to hop a commuter plane from Utah, uh, head on over. Jennifer and I will be there. A couple of other, our other hosts will be there as well that live in that area. So we hope to see some of our listeners there, too, if you get a chance to hop on over. So how would you find out about Horse Radio Network? Well, you know, it's funny. I hadn't um, even thought about looking for horse podcasts before. I'd listened to all sorts of other ones um, on writing or on science or or different things like that. Um, And I don't know why I didn't think about looking for a horse one sooner. And I stumbled across a dog podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog? And as soon as I thought about that, I was like, there's got to be a horse one. And so I searched horses on uh, iTunes and up popped the Horse Radio Network, and suddenly I was subscribed to all sorts of uh, great shows. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, I was wasting my time Time with you people. (laughs) I'm never going to catch up with all the podcasts. (laughs) No, you got uh, 4,900 to catch up on, by the way, yes. It's like... <laughs> well, we it, it is when I need to vacuum the house or clean bathrooms. It makes it it makes it enjoyable. <laughs> See, that's I didn't put. You know, I always tell our prospective sponsors that people listen while they're cleaning stalls. I didn't put cleaning bathrooms in there. I need to say bathrooms <laughs> and stalls now. Yep. Yeah. All the romantic jobs is when they listen to us. <laughs> um, so, all right, you ready for rapid fire questions? Let's do it. All right, rapid fire, which Helena has a hard time keeping rapid. Yeah. because we have All time right. for about five, Helena. All right, I'm going to try. I'm not being rude, Shane. It's just I have to be quick. Okay. Okay. That's my disclaimer. What is your favorite food? No, it's, I, I, I've struggled with this one. It's either my husband's lasagna, which is really great, um, has goat cheese in it and all this stuff, or it's his baked chicken with bacon roasted potatoes. Oh, oh my God. Both of them. Just send them both over. Fantastic. All right. Yeah. Uh, now He's I want lasagna. the only cook who's ever made me love green beans. Ooh. So, we'll have to chat he, about he, that he, afterwards. That's yeah. right. What's your least favorite food then? Cotton candy. Hands down. Well, that's a and first. anything in that family, marshmallows, meringue, too sweet. Huh. Interesting. Cotton Those candy, s'mores huh? for her. I would say cotton candy because you just... No, you can have mine. Sweet. I will happily share. <laughs> Super sweet. Okay. What's your biggest equestrian or equine pet peeve? People who put themselves in front of their horses. So, um, you know, what I love about barns is that they're a place where you hang out with people who get the whole horse obsession um, but, uh, you know, when I've seen, yeah, I was at one barn where, um, there was a group of girls with these like, you know, uh, $15,000 imported warm blood horses and they would stand in the, uh, in the tack room and talk about their latest shoes while their horses were out in the cross ties, yeah. um, being ignored. And I just, uh, that really, that really got under my skin. Um, so always horses first. And then once they're happy and put away, then Chilling and talking in the barn, that's the best. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Um, 
Do you have a favorite professional or celebrity equestrian? Uh, well, um, Frank Burns for professional and also Tom Ordway, uh, who was my trainer in Idaho and is fantastic. Um, and then for, for the, the, you know, Olympic caliber ones, I'm going to go with Ann Krasinski. She's amazing. Excellent. I like that. I love that you chose one of your trainers because, um, it's important, I think, for people to be inspired by, um, mm-hmm. the, the folks that the real life folks that we work so closely with it's, yeah. see that kind of thing makes my heart swell up. They, they yeah. change us. They sort of help shape the horsemen and women that we become. Oh, really? So, I, mean, I Absolutely. And the training that I got from him, I mean, it just, it permeates my whole life. I mean, one of the things I think you learn from horses is to be patient and listening and, um, and uh, how to how to be strong without being cruel. And I mean, so much of that I got from my trainers. You know, yeah. I say this a lot on Stable Scoop. And so if I repeat myself, well, you're all just going to have to deal. But one of the <laughs> best pieces of riding advice that I've ever gotten that has turned into life advice, I've, I've had two, two key pieces of advice, both from the same person, Coach Jen over at uh, Horse Tip Daily. One of the things she told me was, Remember to ride the horse you're on. And it, it has overflowed into the rest of my life and, and has literally helped me to become a more flexible, adaptable, less self-centered person, period. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. something as small as, you know, a little, a little phrase in the saddle can really change who you are as a person. I, I think that our trainers and our coaches um, deserve a lot of gratitude. Absolutely. So it's it's nice for you to say that. Okay. See, I told you rapid fire. It always turns into some philosophical <laughs> discussion. Glenn's over there like, come on, Alina. I'm no, I'm just, I'm just bad. listening. <laughs> All right. Um, what career other than one with horses or riding would you might like to try? This one's really tough because I, I still want to say barn manager. But if horses are off the table, I don't know, maybe something with dogs, a dog trainer. or <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly not very good about thinking about money-making careers. <laughs> yeah, we aren't either. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Welcome to the We're family. all in that boat. We own horses. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I do if, think that's all the time we're going to have. Uh, you, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being an auditor, too. We really appreciate that. And, my pleasure. And for uh, hanging out with all of us in the auditor room uh, and just being part of that family. Well, now we're, it's time for our horselovers.com product review on the Tack and Habit segment. And we have Auditor Hillary Borneman here with us. And she is reviewing the Noble Outfitters Balance Riding Tight. We've had a lot of reviews of breeches here lately. So, well, first of all, hello, Hillary. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks. Now, you were on with us back in episode 409 in June as our listener of the week. So if you've missed that one, everybody, you can head back and take a listen to Hillary there. But today, she's here with a noble purpose. Ha! Get it? Bad (laughs) pun. Noble Outfitters, noble purpose. It is a noble purpose. Yes, that's right. Bad pun, though. Okay, so Hillary, enough of the bad puns. Tell us about the noble Outfitters balance riding tights. Okay, well... In the Northeast, we have had a really, really brutal summer with the heat and the humidity. So these couldn't have come at a better time. Uh, they really are a nice, lightweight, 
uh, riding tight. However, there's other brands of riding tights that are really, really thin and they show everything. These don't. These are awesome. They hold you together just enough. They have a great amount of stretch, um, but they're still lightweight. So there's a little more substance to the fabric, but they, they're still nice and cool and comfortable. They have. So, I, like that you, I like that you say that they don't show everything because thinner might be lighter, but it's not necessarily more comfortable. Yeah, these are the kind of tights that you could wear to Target after your barn as far as, you know, running your errands. Uh, the other ones you would save for Walmart, but you can go a step up with these. <laughs> you can do Target with these. That's funny. And it, apparently it has the moisture wicking up to dry technology, which is supposed to keep you cool. And you said apparently that part works. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Like I said, I was uh, quite grateful. The uh, last time I rode in them, and I've ridden in them a few times, but it was 90 degrees, 64% humidity. And I wore them for an hour lesson and was just so grateful to not be in a heavy cotton breech. Now, are they, were the ones you had knee patch? Yes, they're knee patch. I I haven't seen any of these in a full seat just yet, but... The ones that I got are navy blue, and they have a really cute contrasting knee patch in gray. So uh, they look really, really sharp. Um, they're also, well, I, I had a very tough time getting anything to stick to them. Stain resistance was really, really good. Uh, poultice came right off, hoof polish, no problem. Oh, nice. So Were you, like, slathering it on clean. to test them? Did you just, like, take and rub yourself in the manure pit to see if it cleaned? No, no. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> you don't really have to do that. But when you, you know, when you do a jump school on a really hot day, yes. you take a little extra care of your horse, you're <laughs> going to get true. goop all over you. That's true. And uh, it washed right off. Wow, that's good. And uh, now, does it have a pocket for a phone? Yeah. There's a great pocket on the left-hand thigh. It has a nice cover, a top to it. So nothing is going to get in there and shift around too much. Um, I have some other breeches that have the pocket on the thigh, but if you're uh, moving around a whole lot, the phone will work its way out. Yes, that happens to me. That happens to me all the time. My poor phones, I go through them because I think they're secure in a pocket, my breeches. And as soon as I start posting, I could feel it wiggling its way up. Yeah, this this has a top to it. So uh, you have an extra chance to catch it. Very awesome. well, cool, and, uh, and and now these are the Euro seat design too, which I think everybody knows what that is by now. How about the? Are these low rise? Are they medium? What, no, what are they? these are mid rise. Okay. You can pick a hoof; they're awesome. So you're not doing <laughs> you any plumber spot. <laughs> no, no, not at all, and okay. it's it's a comfortable um, waistband too. It doesn't roll. And you have belt loops, so if you want to wear your big, thick belt, you totally can. Uh, but they are still a pull-on. And they come in large, yeah. they come in extra small to large women's sizes in black and elmwood. I don't know what, elmwood's a tan. I don't know why they didn't call them tan, but it's, uh, they call it elmwood. <laughs> and they're seventy nine ninety five at uh, horselovers.com. You can go check them out. Just search for Noble Outfitters Balance Riding Tights. And apparently they come Hillary approved. 
Oh, very much so. Love them. Well, if you too want to become an auditor like like uh, Shane and like Hillary, you can go over to StableScoop.com and click on the auditor banner in the middle of the page for as little as a dollar a month. You too can become an auditor. Look, did you see the products I gave out last week for review? Oh, my God. <laughs> there must have been $2,500 worth of stuff there. It was there. We gave out, what, two pairs of tall riding boots that... Those two pairs totaled over $600. And people, they get to keep them. So they do the review, and they get to keep them. And that's all from being an auditor. So many benefits. Plus, they have their own Facebook group, which is the most popular, most active Facebook group I've ever seen. It, it uh, really is. They have a weight loss group within the fa- auditor group now, and they're all motivating each other to lose weight and exercise. And they really they are. have. They, oh yeah, I didn't see this. Oh yeah, they have a they have their own face. They have an, their own Facebook group within the Facebook group on losing weight. You have to scroll I, down through the uh, posts, and you can become part of that too if they let you in. You have to ask permission. Uh, (laughs) uh, You know what I found interesting is they added me without asking, which I think is a hint. Don't you? Isn't that kind of a subtle hint that, Glenn, you're fat and you need to get out and do something? (laughs) I think that's what they were trying to tell me, actually. And I know I am. I can need more exercise. So uh, now they're motivating me. They're all like walking and posting their Fitbit results and getting each other motivated to lose weight. And I'm like, God, now I feel like a lump. So I need to do that too. And all of that can happen if you just head over and become an auditor. As I said, a lot of people just give what give what you feel the programming is worth. Uh, and that can be as little as a dollar a month. And we have people giving $25 a month, anything in between. Uh, I did find out too that uh, we talked to Helena about the making of the movie The Messengers which you're going to hear a little bit more about in the next month here on Stable Scoop and some of the other shows. Uh, it's a uh, major film documentary about podcasting, and they're now wrapping up. They just did a road trip uh, to see my friend Dave Jackson of the School of Podcasting, and uh, they're wrapping up. I think they have one more place to visit, and then they're going to be doing final edits. It will be premiering, and listeners are invited to this. So if you're in the Florida area in February at PodFest in February, in Orlando at the end of the month. Uh, they will be, they're having a premiere with red carpet and the whole thing. So if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come support the Horse Radio Network. We're in the movie. I'm going to have to buy a new cowboy hat, maybe with some <laughs> bling on it. Ooh, uh, and, I like uh, that. Dress up and wear a tie and everything. So, wow. yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. And, and uh, the PodFest is at a really nice resort this year uh, in Orlando. So we hope that we see some of our listeners there, too, if you're, if you're in the area. And I'm going to be there. Yeah, you better. You better come down for that. It was so much fun having you down last year for PodFest. Really yeah, was. well, I don't know if I'm, should I be down there for Horse Radio Network this year or that Newport show this year? I got both. I'm, I'm, I'm podding all over the place. You can be there for more than one thing. You're, you can be there for everything. But yeah, it'll be fun to have you again. And, Is and, Jen coming? Oh yeah, she'll be there because you know she. Because I'm not coming unless Jen. No, coming. Jen will be there for okay. Podfest this year. She ha- she volunteers and helps out at check in and stuff, and they love her there. So the she'll be happening. And uh, if anybody wants to see information, if you're thinking about starting your own podcast, go to podfest.us, and you'll see the dates. And it is at a really posh, exclusive resort in Orlando. Ooh. It's about five minutes from Disney, so a lot of people are bringing their families. And then staying a couple extra days and going to Disney. And actually, I was going to talk to you about doing that. Um, I thought it'd be cool because there's a whole bunch of new stuff at uh, Animal Kingdom. 
So it'd be fun. It runs through Saturday. If you stayed on Sunday uh, and we all went to Animal Kingdom together, wouldn't that be fun? That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And they have nighttime in Animal Kingdom now, too, which we haven't seen yet. So I want to swim in that, that big pool. Yeah. This is a nice place, isn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> a little I'm different than last year's. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump off those rocks. Let's just say PodFest had humble beginnings in a little hotel in Tampa. Oh. Uh, but this is a completely opposite of that. I'm uh, looking at the pictures, too, of everybody. It's such a great group of people. It is, and there are going to be a lot more there this year too. Hopefully, we'll we'll attract. And I'm apparently doing another keynote uh, this year. Uh, you know, nice. I like doing I like doing the I like doing the teaching parts during the day where you, where you can get really get nitty gritty because that's what I really like. Yeah, the keynotes make me nervous. I don't think I'm very good at them, uh, but I don't know. They keep asking me back, so I guess I must be doing okay. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I'll convince them to have you do the keynote. You can I can do, do the keynote because I'm so <laughs> successful at podcasting. I can't even get a sponsor. <laughs> but, you know, I just, keynotes are too stressful. I'm too old for that. Uh, uh, it's just like, I have to think well, about it. Well, you know what? You've had a whole year under your belt, so you can talk about what's happened in the last year. Because there's always something to learn, yeah, even for, is. you know, veterans like you. And and coming up, too, uh, we should mention that we're, we just got done with Ada, so we are preparing for the next Radiothon coming up. So that should be a lot of fun, too. And hopefully, and we have a lot of sponsors interested in that, so I think it's going to be another good event. Well, that's it for this show, Helena. I think that's about all. Where can people find your show? They can find my show at thatnewportshow.com, or you can just search on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play for Newport, Rhode Island. That's it. I'm done. Whew. Yeah, I'm toast. Thanks, everybody, for following along. We'll be back next week. Until then, happy scooping. 